previously on ImpTab Avatar Blades in the Dao Fei. We met a brand new crew of heroes that we are following, a Dao Fei group known as the Masked Spirits, comprised of Tonin Yoru, a mysterious mask wearing man, Wei Young Hu, Hu Wei Young, one of those two, a <laughs> minor noble who is working his way up to become the Earth King someday, and Si Wei Lang, a delightful marshmallow of a man who owns a pet store. We met up with these three and followed them getting their first job that they're going to take on as a Daofei crew. They're going to go and steal a bathhouse that Gecko's Very Good Smuggling Operation is also trying to get and increase their turf, gain a little stake in the lower ring of bossing, say. They gathered some information from Jenna, a servant of one of the architects who's working on the monorail that is going to be destroying that bathhouse. Got some information from a random man on the street. Tonin managed to get a picture of his face drawn. And uh, Siwei ate some fireflakes and had a good time with that. But now that we have gathered the information, we know what our job is going to be. It's time to engage the job. What's going to happen when we do? Let's find out here in the world of Blades in the Dao Fei. What's shaking, everybody? You're listening to ImpTab Avatar Blades in the Dao Fei, the Blades in the Dark actual play where we make up almost everything on the spot. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and today I'm joined by... Thomas Ryan. <laughs> and Christian Randall. And Evan Peterson. Hey, look, if you guys want to set a tone, you got to get there first. Mm-hmm. And we have a very straightforward tone that we have set here. Hu Wei Young, he gets the stuff done, just straight to the point. That's all I know how to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of getting straight to the point, let's talk about how engagement roles work in Blades in the Dark. So we have a few different phases. We've got free play, which is essentially what we just experienced, uh, what you're traditionally familiar with with a lot of RPGs, just kind of going around, playing as your character, uh, learning stuff, interacting with people. And then when you figure out what your job is going to be, you make what's called an engagement role. And this is going to start us in the action of the job and is essentially going to determine how fortunate our position is as we enter into the job. And so we're going to start out by asking a few questions that are going to determine how many dice we get to roll for the engagement roll. And again, depending on which degree of success we end up with on the highest die, that's going to determine how fortuitous our position is. So we always start with one die for sheer luck. Next, we're going to ask some questions. Is this operation particularly bold or daring? I mean, we're going up against a pretty big operation. Well-established group, yeah. Yeah, so... I I feel like, as we've practiced this system, I feel like any crime is kind of bold and daring. (laughs) To be fair, we've only played when we're bottom barrel, which we are currently, so pretty much anything we do is going to be bold and daring at this stage. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind with Blaze in the Dark is a lot of the context is based on the fact that the base level is the fact that you are a professional criminal. So, like, your average professional criminal is going out and doing crime stuff on a daily basis, so we have to keep that in mind as we're asking these questions here. But I think there is a good point being made that you guys are a tier zero operation currently, and Gecko's very good smuggling operation is tier three. So they are a much bigger force than you guys. You're definitely punching up with this job you're going on. So I think that would make sense. I agree. 
<laughs> I agree 100%. Yes, we're bold, we're daring. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, that is your reputation. You are ambitious. True, yeah. So that is going to give us plus one die. We're currently at two dice for the engagement roll. Next question. Is this operation overly complex or contingent on many factors? I don't feel like it is. I mean, let's get in and take it away. That's two steps. Yeah. <laughs> so if we would have answered yes to that, we would have taken minus one die. As it stands, though, we're still at two dice. Next, does the plans detail? Ah, yes. We need to do a little bit more specification before we get too far into this. So there are different types of jobs that we might be fulfilling. Those are assault, deception, stealth, occult, social, and transport. So first thing we do is we determine what kind of job this is, and then we're going to fill in an additional detail that is going to help us begin this job itself. So for the purpose of going in and taking over a bathhouse before somebody else gets to it, what type of job do we think this is going to be? I feel like our best bet is stealth. I mean, we know about the secret back entrance. If we can get in quickly and set up our base to keep them out. Yeah, what defines taking it over? If there's already some guys here, uh, this is kind of an assault. We're trying to go in and beat them up and kick them out. Yeah, so as it stands, the place has received the foreclosure notice and the Zishin family is currently in the process of moving out. Once they have completely extricated themselves from the premises, that's when it's really going to become open. Like that is essentially when Gecko Sr. and his team are going to try and come in and take over the place. Well, if that's the case, um, I would argue that this is a, a social takeover, essentially. We're trying to convince the area, no, they are not the ones who are taking it. It's us. We're the ones moving in. I like that. I like that a lot. Social works for me, for sure. So yeah, that's one of the things with deciding what type of plan it is, is there are countless ways that you could tackle this situation. Like we've already said, you could try and sneak in after the Zishin family's gone and just establish your base before they get there. You could wait until some of Gecko smugglers manage to get in there and then perform an assault on them and take over the place by force. You could go in before the Zishin family even leaves, try and talk your way into gaining control of this bathhouse before they've even left the place. So yeah, there's plenty of different options. It's just a matter of which one we want to follow. We're an ambitious group, right? We're going up against a big boy. We need to make a statement. This is our territory. It's always been our territory. It will remain our territory. Which is why we should beat them up. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, That's that was my next sentence was, we're moving in, we're making the claim. If they got a problem with that, we will destroy them. Okay, you you guys want to go assault? <laughs> I am. I don't even have fighting abilities. Um, I'm just gonna hope for the best. I have some fighting ability. Aggressive communication. <laughs> <laughs> I'll change my vote to assault, and I will try and be aggressively social. All right. <laughs> so with an assault, the specific detail that we need to fill in is what our point of attack is going to be. I mean, I think that back door. Yeah, we know the back door with the traps. Yeah, hopefully some of the traps laid by the previous owner. We could really just sit there and wait until they enter, hear some traps go off, and then assault. That's a really good idea. Because we know that's coming. So we've got our plan. We've got our detail. Next thing we're going to do is each individual person is going to choose their load limit for the operation. The way that load works is this is a measure of how much equipment that you can have on your person when you go into the job. Now, the cool thing here is everybody has a list of different items, bits of equipment that they can carry with them, but you don't have to specify which objects you're bringing with you before you go in. You just say, hey, 
I am going to be carrying this much load. So the different levels are light, normal, and heavy. Normal is our baseline, and again, like we said, this is baseline for a scoundrel. If you choose normal load, you look like a scoundrel. You look like you're probably ready to get up to no good. Light, you aren't carrying as much stuff, it's easier to blend in. Heavy is you are very well kitted out. People look at you and you're like, yes, that person is going into an operation. Anything above that, you are overloaded and you have some disadvantages there. And so let's uh, go around and start figuring out what everybody's got. Tonin, what's your load going to be? I'm going to go normal, but I am going to be disguised as an old man with a hunched back. Um, so some of that load will be on my back in the hunch. Ah, very nice. So normal load is five. Uh, each item you bring with you has a certain amount of slots that it fills up. Most of them are just going to fill up one slot. Uh, some are a little heavier, like a large weapon or some armor. Those fill up two slots. But essentially, what Christian has just said is I have five equipment slots that I have available for me throughout the remainder of this job. And at any point during the job, I can say, you know, it would be really, really nifty if I had some burglary gear right now. I'm going to mark off one of my five slots and say that I brought my burglary gear with me. And you can do that as long as you still have open load slots available. There are, however, with each playbook, a certain number of objects that don't take up load. Uh, for example, continuing with Christian's character sheet here, you always can have fine clothes and jewelry, fine loaded dice or trick cards, trance powder, and a spirit bane charm. Um, trance powder is one of those weird spirit concoctions that, like, if you throw it at somebody, it kind of hypnotizes them, takes them out of it for a while. A spirit bane charm is a special charm that wards off spirits from trying to attack you. So those ones you just always have with you. Don't have to worry about marking off load to take those. So Tonin is going normal. Seaway, what is your load going to be for this job? Uh, I think I'm going to go in with a heavy load. Ooh, dang. Yeah, so you can carry up to six item slots. Uh, this is kind of the situation Seaway is built for. He's just going to march in confidently, wolf mask on, kit it out. Jeez. And then Wei Young, what is your load going to be? Uh, I'm going light, coincidentally. We hit all three. Um, <laughs> I am a minor noble. If I get caught out here looking like a thug, things are not good for me. So. Uh, oh, you mean you're not going to have day shape a rock around your face? Well, I mean, <laughs> rocks can fall off. I am going to have him do that, by the way. Okay. So we've got our load defined. And now we can continue with our questions for the engagement role. So we're already at two dice. Next question. Does the plan's detail expose a vulnerability of the target or hit them where they're weakest? Again, the detail being the point of attack, i.e. that back door that you learned about from that Fire Nation man on the street. So does the fact that you know about this back door expose a vulnerability of the target or hit them where they're weakest? I would say yes, especially because we're we're going to wait outside that door until we hear the traps go off. So they're going to be in the real moment of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So that's going to give us another die. We're at three dice. Next, is the target strongest against this approach or do they have particular defenses or special preparations? They do. You know that the place is trapped. So that is minus one die, bringing us back down to two. 
Next, can any of your friends or contacts provide aid or insight for this operation? In fact, they have. Jenna gave you a lot of information for this. That is going to be another plus one. We're up to three. Are any enemies or rivals interfering in the operation? Not that we're aware of. Uh, not beyond the people we're messing with. Yeah. Yeah, none of your rivals are part of geckos. We don't have to worry about that. And then finally, are there any other elements that you want to consider? Tier, location, etc.? Uh, since you are facing up against a crew that is so much higher in tier than you are, I'm going to take away an additional die for that. So that brings us to two dice that we're going to roll for our engagement roll. That seems fair. Yeah, Christian, would you go ahead and roll that for us? Oh, we gotta Come on. switch up. We gotta switch up who rolls these because you can do it. I'm already feeling guilty. You for, can do it. You can do it. <laughs> for whatever I roll. This is your time. And I think the higher of these two. Correct. Okay. Oh, a one and a five. Okay. Thank goodness for that second number. <laughs> yes. So on a partial success, you're in a risky position when the action starts. I think that makes sense. You guys have waited outside the entrance. You've hidden in the shadows and you're waiting to hear the noises coming from the inside. And after a pretty lengthy stretch of silence, you hear rubble crumbling down from high up above and slamming like you hear big splashes of water. You hear stone against stone. You hear shouts of pain coming from the inside. Oh. So there's quite a bit of commotion going on in there at the moment. I'd like to charge at the door and just break it down with my shoulder. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we're going. Yep, we're going for it right on in. Uh, what skill do you think that's going to be for breaking it down? That is going to be wreck. Makes sense to me. I have nothing in wreck. <laughs> <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Oh, I roll two and take the lower? Yep. What? <laughs> that's a one. You got the lowest possible result. You can always push yourself, though, or get help from a friend. <sighs> that's hilarious. That's fine. <gasps> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, yeah. So one thing I should have done before you made that roll is whenever you choose what your role is going to be, I as the GM and them going to set the position and the effect. This is to make sure that things stay grounded within reality. Like if, for example, Seaway had said, I'm going to bust straight through the wall of this place, ostensibly he could roll and get a critical success and be like, yeah, so I just like bust right on through this two foot thick stone wall, right? You know, that doesn't necessarily work that way. So My alias is the Kool-Aid man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so setting the position and the effect allows me to keep things kind of grounded. I could say, yeah, sure, you can try and bust through, but you're going to have very limited effect against this wall. In this instance, there are three different degrees of position. And again, position is how much of a risk is this? How much are you putting your neck out in order to hopefully get this taken care of? The three different positions are controlled, i.e. you are in a very good position to do this. There's not a lot of risk that's going to come from failure. Risky is the baseline. There's going to be some risk. And then desperate is like, hey, you're really sticking your neck right out. Things could go really bad for you if you fail. Then effect, you have limited, standard, and great effect or potentially extreme effect if you manage to get a critical success. So this one I would have said would be controlled standard, controlled position, standard effect. Since you failed, what it says for a failure under controlled, you falter, you can press on by seizing a risky opportunity or withdraw and try a different approach. 
So you could potentially try this again, but there is greater risk now. Like somebody inside could potentially have heard you trying to slam open the door. If you fail at a risky roll, then there might be additional effects beyond that. So that's an option for you here, or you can try a different approach entirely. I'm going to put my hand on, on his shoulder and just give it a little pat in my old man guise. And I'm just going to be rubbing the other shoulder in pain. Why don't you take a step back? I think I have this one. And I will shuffle forward and I will pull out my burglary gear and I will just pick the lock and open it. All right. Uh, I do need to make, be making sure there are some consequences here, though. We'll say for Seaway, you know, it wasn't like a huge blow to you. We will say that you'll take just one stress from trying to slam up into this door and bouncing off. Now, Tonin, what skill do you think picking this lock is going to be? <sighs> Boy, I shouldn't have done this. Because <laughs> I think it's Tinker. Yep, and you have zero dots in Tinker, it appears. That I do. Why are we doing this? We're choosing the worst possible option for each of us. <laughs> what, do you have better Tinker than me? No, but I'm not trying to pick any locks. <laughs> it's a door. It's it's what you do. <laughs> I can't exactly skirmish with a door now, can I? You can always try. You just might not have the greatest effect. I look at the burglary tools and I say, I don't even know why I have these. I put them away, but I already said I have them, so I have them. <laughs> and now I pull up my demolition tools. Okay. <laughs> oh, great. That is easier. Yeah, do you got like a big old sledgehammer or something? Yeah, I'm going to say just a big old... The, the cane I'm, I'm holding has a heavy weight on the end, so it, it's like a, it's a big hammer. All right. What skill do you think it's going to be to smash this door open? Well, I think that's wreck too, and I have a zero there as well. <laughs> what am I doing? Even your backup. <laughs> now, remember, you can always push yourself or ask for help to get additional dice on this roll. I'm going to push myself. I'm already saying beforehand I'm pushing myself, so I'll take two stress. All right. Because I know it's I need it. Yeah. And another thing that I should mention is there's always the option to take a devil's bargain. If you accept a devil's bargain, you get to roll one additional die, but I get to set a specific consequence that if you fail, something bad is going to happen. I would like to help him. I'm going to study the door and see like, you know, where the weak spots are, where he should hit it with his, his fancy cane, that kind of thing. Yeah. To kind of like guide where you should aim for. Yeah, for sure. In fact, I think this seems like we're using the set up maneuver here. Uh, there are a few different types of teamwork you can use during a score. We've already talked about assisting. You take one stress to basically directly involve yourself in what's going on and subsequently let your partner roll an additional die on that roll. Setting somebody up, you have more of an indirect effect on the obstacle, but if your action succeeds, if you have the intended result, any member of the team who follows through on that maneuver gets plus one effect level or improved position for their role. Okay. Well, I'll do that. I'm going to take a quick once over on the door and see where the best spot to hit it is. Yeah, so go ahead and roll to study it. <laughs> Double sixes. Holy cow. Yeah. Look at that. That is a critical. That's critical success. Yes, our first real, actual, official crit of the campaign. I know exactly <laughs> where to hit the door. Evan, yours counted in my heart. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, like, as you study the door, you look in and you realize this door isn't actually locked. <laughs> they didn't lock it behind them. <laughs> Just gonna, I'm just going to reach out, grab the handle, and turn it. And then just kind of... There you go. 
And I will at this point draw my weapon, which is a fine, heavy weapon. Ooh. It's sort of similar to a bow staff, but a little bit shorter and even thicker. It's kind of just a fancy club, but it is like, since it's fine, it is very well carved, a little heavier weighted on one end. And I'm going to pull that out and push my way past to see who's waiting on the other side for me to bonk. Yeah, you push your way in and you can see there is dust suspended in the air. Uh, You look up and you could see these traps that were left behind. These big like nets of rubble that had been left uh, with trip wires triggering them. So there are a few people who are like buried under the rubble trying to pull themselves out. You've got some of the other people from Gecko's operation trying to dig them out. Uh, They're completely distracted by that and have not noticed you enter. Can I combine two rolls to do a prowl roll to get up behind one of them and then a skirmish roll to knock them upside the head? Yeah, you could essentially set yourself up, I believe. So you could roll to prowl and then if you succeed, you get plus one effect level or improved position on your roll to knock this guy out. Okay, so I will prowl first, which is a five. Ooh, nice. nice. And then I will skirmish to knock him upside the head. Okay. So that would bring me up to three dice. Yeah, so the successful prowl as part of the setup action, that's going to increase either your effect level or your position. Okay. So in this instance, the fact that you prowled in there to go unseen, we'll say that was risky standard. Since you got a partial success on that, there needs to be some complication so I am going to set up our first clock of the campaign. Oh, baby. Yeah. It's finally happening. Now, if you listened to our 10,000 Things campaign, you've already heard a little bit about progress clocks. They're represented by kind of pie chart looking things, a circle with a number of lines creating segments. The number of segments determines what kind of clock it is. So a four segmented clock is a four clock. Six segments is a six clock, etc. I'm going to set up a four clock and I'm going to call this clock Blown Cover. This exact same clock has shown up many times already in our (laughs) playtests. So you're going in right now and you're kind of like Batman Arkham Asylum trying to like pick this guy off unseen, it seems. So you don't want them to see you. Your partial success on your prowl is going to tick one segment of that four clock. And by the time all four segments have been ticked, Gecko's men know that you are here in the room with them. So now you're approaching, you did succeed, so you get the improved position or effect on your skirmish roll. This one I'm going to say will be risky, but with great effect. Since you managed to get in unseen, if you get this guy, then that's great effect. He's knocked out. And since you're already at great effect, you can't really increase that. So what you could do with your setup is change it from risky position to controlled position. That is definitely what I'm going to do. Nice. All right. So that's two dice. Yep. That is going to be a six. Yeah, it is. I'm just going to grab this guy by the shirt and pull him back into the shadows and then just (laughs) bludgeon him upside the head and knock him right out. Yeah. Like as he is getting thrown backwards, like he's currently reaching down. He's like trying to pull up on a boulder, move some of the rubble out of the way. 
and he's kind of like grunting and straining, so he's already making some noise. So when he just kind of gives out a little whoop as you pull him backwards, none of his companions even think a second time. And before he even finishes the arc of moving backwards, bam, hit him upside the head. He goes out like a light, and you lay him down gently onto the ground amidst the dust. Beautiful. Surgical. Uh, now, <laughs> you two, I presume, would uh, like to do some things before I continue my Batman prowling. <laughs> how many How many men are left in this room? Yeah, so I'm going to create a six clock here, and I'm going to call this Gecko's Crew. With your success on that, you have eliminated one of those six members of Gecko's crew. You've still got five people left that you got to get through before you have secured the place. Can we see them all from where we are at the doorway there? Uh, yeah, it's a little bit hazy through like some of the dust up in the air, but you can pretty much assume at this point either they are underneath the rubble or they're trying to move the rubble off of the others. Okay. I am going to find a quiet, shadowy corner in the hallway there. Um, I would just like to survey, just keep an eye out, see, you know, when people start poking up, that's when I'm going to start making my move on them. All right, go ahead and roll to survey. This will say, since you've chosen a hidden location, we'll make this controlled standard effect. Two fours. Okay, partial success. So as you're moving over, you kind of trip a little bit, and one of the guys from Gecko's crew kind of peeks up doesn't notice that his friend is gone quite yet but is a little bit more suspicious so we've currently ticked two of four segments on the blown cover clock but you start looking around trying to find stuff that you might be able to use to your advantage you see that the main pool itself is still full of water and there's a couple other pools here and there uh, this is a Fire Nation-owned bathhouse. Surely one of the pools was built on a geothermal vent of some sort, or at least has water coming in from a natural hot spring. And you can see there's still steam rising up from that, kind of mingling with the rubble dust. So you do have these pools that you can use to your advantage, and a great deal of the bathhouse supplies have also been left behind. Like the Zishin family, they had to get out of there pretty quickly, so they couldn't bring everything with them. So there's still like a number of towels left behind, perfumes and soaps, that kind of stuff. So a lot of bathhouse style material that you could potentially use to your advantage. Duly noted. Um, I'm going to wait for now because I feel like Tonin may have something. Mm-hmm. And I'll say as a benefit of the fact that you took your entire turn to survey, we will call that effectively a setup action so that if any character decides to use those pools or any of the bathhouse materials to their advantage, they could gain plus one effect or improved position for that role. Very nice. As I am the last one outside, I will quickly pull off my disguise. Underneath, I am wearing my fine clothes and jewelry. I'm very much looking good. The old man facade that I have on stays. I shift my face a little bit to look less withered and more refined in my old age. And I take my cane and I walk in, chest out, tall. I stand in the middle of the room and I click down the cane hard on the floor. And I say, you boys have come into our turf. This already belongs to the masked spirits. If you don't leave now, you will regret it. 
and I would like to sway. Sway, all right. I'll say this is definitely going to be risky, and... I'm hoping that they think we set the traps. Oh, interesting, yeah. With that in mind, yeah, I'll say let's go risky standard for this. Oh, okay. Um, since I didn't actually push myself to open the door or take a devil's bargain, I'm going to take a devil's bargain this time. I'm going to take two X's, and my stress is now at three, and I will roll three dice and take the highest. So in order to get the three dice, you only need to do pushing yourself or taking a devil's bargain. I want to take a devil's bargain. I haven't done that yet, I think. Yeah, so you would not <laughs> need to mark any stress in order to do that. Oh, I thought I had to mark the stress either way. I will not mark the stress. Yeah, the purpose of the devil's bargain is you don't have to mark stress, but bad stuff could happen. In this instance, if you fail the roll, blown cover clock is instantly full and they realize there's more people in here than just this one dude. Okay, I am going to take the three dice and see what I can get. Okay. If you roll three dice and two of them are sixes. No way. That's still a critical. A six, a six, and a two. In the first two sessions, all of us have rolled a critical success. We're going to be the best dang Daofei gang. That's insane. <laughs> We've been playing like a playtest for a while, and I think none of us have rolled a critical success. I think we got one, but yeah, this is a lot. That's bananas. On a critical success for a risky roll, you do it with increased effect. So it's not just going to be standard effect, it's going to be great effect. You walk in here and instantly two of the guys who are helping to carry rubble off of their friends, they're like, oh, no, this isn't worth it. This place has been compromised. Let's go out of here. Let's tell Gecko. So we're going to mark off two more ticks on Gecko's crew. You're currently at three out of six. There is only one guy left who is still up and the other two are buried under the rubble. Uh, may I skirmish two from across the room? throw my club and hit the last guy in the head. Ah, oh, daredevil. Yeah. 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 I'll say <laughs> this is going to be, I mean, you're hidden. They don't know you're there. I'll say this is going to be controlled with standard effect. You got this. Oh, I will push myself. Can I help? I, I don't think that guy knows that I'm in the shadows. Can I just like yell at him? You better listen. Get out of here kind of like distract him so he looks my way while you throw the club. Yeah, that could work. Okay, so I get one more. That's a six. There we go. Unstoppable. <laughs> so we get this tag team. Tonin steps in. This place is already owned by the masked spirits. And this guy is already kind of freaked out. Hears a voice from the side. And as soon as he turns to it, bam, right in his temple, this giant cane out of nowhere knocks him to the ground. He is out cold, and the two guys who are buried under the rubble are just freaking out. They're like, okay, okay, we'll, we'll do whatever you say. Just don't hurt us. Don't hurt us, please. And uh, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm just going to kind of go pick my club up, walk over near the two guys, and just kind of squat down with my wolf mask on and like kind of stare at them both and then look over at Tonin like, what do you want us to do? I just want to say um, in the same voice, wolf take out the trash if you will <laughs> i'm trying to decide if i should pull him out from the rubble before i knock him out or knock him out and then drag him out of the rubble it feels unsportsmanlike to knock him out in the rubble but also safer uh so yeah i'll line up with both of them and just kind of hold my club down like a golf club and just bam wow yeah this will be controlled great effect since they're buried <laughs> under rocks right now oh my gosh how do I screw it up when they are under dirt? I will mark a stress and help him by 
sheer bulliness. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that line, take out the trash, if you will, that seems pretty intimidating to me. So, yeah, you can mark that stress and offer the help. Yeah, I'll do that. That's still not good. Um, Ned, how about this? Can I push myself to use my special ability <gasps> to perform a feat of physical force that verges on the superhuman and swing my club down and run it along both of their heads, knocking them both out in one swing? Yeah, that allows you to take on a gang on equal footing. And that would take two stress? Yep. So yeah, I'll just like line up like it's a golf club and in one swing, knock the first guy's head out of the way, but not stop moving and just keep going until my club collides with the second guy's head. And then I'll just like drop the club by my side and grab both their collars and just drag their bodies out from the rubble. Yeah, so uh, you have (laughs) currently, I believe, four unconscious guys here in this bathhouse. The other two have run away to go report to Gecko that this place is currently under the ownership of the Masked Spirits. Wow, that went so much smoother than I was expecting it would go. Yeah, our first job, and there was like no issue. And that went smoother than any of our play tests. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I need to mark stress because I am stressed. <laughs> Jeez. I'm going to, and at that point, I'll turn around and look at Tonin and pull the wolf mask off and say, I'm not sure they're going to appreciate a smaller gang taking over like that. The gecko's going to be very upset. We'll just have to watch ourselves. He's not going to be happy with his men, and I'm not sure if he's going to take that anger out on them or take it out on us. A small price to pay to take over what was rightfully ours in the first place. We're going to cut real quick over to Gecko's lair as he's received this news. He slams his fist on the table angrily and says, That daughter of mine is hiring bravos to take out my men, huh? Perhaps some retribution is in order. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I believe that means it's time to uh, go into downtime. <sighs> we have finished our first score very successfully. Holy cow. Cartoonishly well. <laughs> so now in the structure of Blades in the Dark goes free play to the engagement role to the score to downtime. And then that loop just continues over and over again. Downtime is where we determine what happens as a result of this job, some of the fallout and also some of the benefits that come from that. So the first thing that we're going to get is our payoff. So by default, you earn two rep for each score. If the target of your score is of higher tier, take one rep per tier higher. Oh, wow. These guys are a tier three operation. So that means you guys gain five rep. Look at us. We just came onto the scene in a big way. (laughs) Does that mean we filled our rep? So let's talk about how rep works. Rep is the currency that you use to increase your crew's tier. The best analogy that I have is it's kind of like English football. And the only reason I know how this works is because I listen to Dear Hank and John. (laughs) So there are different leagues within English football, soccer for our American listeners. If you are in, say, the fourth tier of English football, then you have to prove your worth before you can make it up to the third tier. Before you can rank up, you have to have a strong holding within your current tier. And that's how it is in Blades in the Dark as well. Within your tier, you can have a weak hold on that tier or a strong hold on that tier. And your hold has to be strong before you can move to the tier above you. If your tier is weak, then you're in risk of being bumped down to the tier below you. Currently, you guys are tier zero with strong hold. 
So as soon as you have sufficient rep, you can pay some coin and increase your tier from zero to one. On our crew sheet, we have a rep track that is 12 spaces long. You have to fill up all 12 of those spaces in order to qualify yourself to move up to the next tier. Hopefully this is making sense auditorily for our listeners, but essentially, <laughs> long story short, the more rep you have, the easier it is to increase your standing in the criminal underworld. And so you guys gained five rep from that job. We're going to be taking care of all of the nitty-gritty bookkeeping stuff on our end so that you, the listener, don't have to worry about that. Just know that we're awesome. We got way better all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, and generally, like, since two rep is the default for a score, like, if you are Gecko, for example, or you're another tier three gang who is kind of sitting pretty, and you hear these masked spirits came out of nowhere, gained five rep, that's a pretty big splash you guys have just made. We are ambitious. We sent a message. Mm -hmm. Now, additionally, during the payoff phase of downtime, you would also earn coin equal to the reward based on the nature of the operation. Um, in this instance, since nobody hired you to do this, this was more of an internal operation. You're not going to get coin from the job, but in the future, as people come to you and say, hey, you're those really awesome bravos who took over the bathhouse from Gecko. I want you to do a job for me. Here's how much I'm going to pay you for it that is when we're going to start gaining coin during the payoff stage of downtime. Nice. Now, the flip side of gaining reputation is you also gain heat. Heat is how much the cops want to get you. <laughs> the more heat you have, the more your wanted level increases, and the more the bossing say guard and the anti-corruption task force are going to come knocking on your door. So, depending on essentially how loud the job was, that determines how much heat you guys are going to take. So, for a smooth and quiet job with low exposure, that's zero heat. For a contained job with standard exposure, that's two heat. Four heat is if it's loud and chaotic with high exposure. And six heat is if it's wild with devastating exposure. In this instance, you got in there really quick, you did the job, but word is traveling about what you did. And in this instance, that is kind of working to your benefit, actually. And two people did run out screaming. Yeah. So my gut reaction is it was relatively contained, but you guys have gained more than just standard exposure from it. Like your name is starting to run around the circles in the underground. I'd say that's probably a three heat job just as a base level. Then we would add one heat if it's a high profile or well-connected target, which Gecko definitely is. Add one heat if the situation happened on hostile turf. It was neutral turf, right? Yeah, neutral turf, because it was previously owned just by the citizenry. And plus one heat if you're at war, plus two heat if any killing was involved. That puts us up to four heat. Ooh, we are. It's very non-lethal. We are toasty. Yes. <laughs> we did good. So there is, similar to your rep track, there's a heat track. When you gain nine heat, then your wanted level moves up. Currently, your wanted level is zero, but again, the more wanted you are, the the more wanted you are. I mean, it's pretty <laughs> self-explanatory. Now, we're going to get into entanglements. After the payoff, roll dice equal to your wanted level and read the result according to your heat. Your wanted level is zero, so we're going to roll two dice and take the lower result. Uh, let's have Evan do that. Ooh, don't mess us up. Come on, get another critical success. The lower result? Yes. One. One, very nice. And since your heat is at four, that means gang trouble or questioning. 
So the way that entanglements tie into the narrative of the city is it's a very vibrant city. Each of these other factions has their own goals that they're pursuing, and so nothing really happens in a vacuum. Whatever you do has repercussions, and those are represented by these entanglements. So gang trouble or questioning, these are the two options we get to choose from. For gang trouble, one of your gangs or other cohorts causes trouble due to their flaws, lose face, i.e. forfeit rep equal to your tier plus one, make an example of one of the gang members, or face reprisals from the wronged party. If you lack a gang and or other cohort with a flaw, there's no entanglement. So if we choose this one, essentially eelhounding the boys while they were out tailing that wealthy woman, something bad happened, and now there's some kind of repercussion from it. The other option is questioning. The bossing say guard grabs an NPC member of your crew or one of your crew's contacts to question them about your crimes. You would make a fortune roll to see how much that person talks, which would thereby increase your heat more, or you could pay off the guard with two coin. So which option do we want to go with? Gang trouble, did eelhound cause a stir, or questioning, did one of your contacts get taken by the guard? I like questioning. Yeah, I trust our people. I trust them way more than Eelhound. <laughs> also, even if it's one of Eelhound and the gang, one of their edges is that they're loyal. Yeah. True, and we can always pay someone off. We got coin to spare now. We're rolling in it. Okay. Either you can pay off the blue coats with two coin, or else you're going to take heat because they uh, got a tip off from Jenna's employer that she'd been out maybe talking to some people. Not Jenna. Well, maybe not her employer per se. I think it's more fun if her employer doesn't realize that she's secretly working in the underground, <laughs> but somebody else who Jenna works in various circles with would have tipped the... I'll say the anti-corruption task force. You guys are broadly speaking on decent terms with the Boston State City Guard because of Boots, the captain, your friend in the guard, but the anti-corruption task force does not like you. Makes sense. Um, when I go to get the money, I'm gonna ask real quick. Tony, do you think if we, I know it's all we've got, but if we throw in a third coin, do you think they'll take care of the four unconscious bodies in the bathhouse and arrest them as well? That way we don't have to worry about them. It is the anti-corruption force, so it'll be a little tough. Yes, I'm just nervous about what to do with our four new friends. Well, they'll still be taking people off the street, so I think we might be able to work something out. Yeah, here, let's talk a little bit about the anti-corruption task force and their role within the city. So Kiyoshi has this really bad habit of starting organizations in Bossing Say that end up not being great, per se. <laughs> so we already know about the Daily, that's the more public and more long-standing of those options. But before she started the Daily, she'd started a group called the Anti-Corruption Task Force. And the purpose of that was while she was in Bossing Say, they were helping to take care of particularly violent Daofei crimes. Like, if there's a Daofei crew that is not acting honorably, they're going out and just like being wantonly violent, ransacking, causing a big kerfuffle, then the anti-corruption task force would go in to take care of that problem. However, when she left Bossing Say, she left the anti-corruption task force under the command of the Earth King. And what did the Earth King do? He was like, hey, we're just going to have these guys take out anybody that I don't like. Any criminal, just take care of it. So the anti-corruption task force would look at people and be like, hey, your brother's a Daofei criminal. You're not, but your brother is. You're going to jail. Or hey, you're walking kind of like a Daofei. We should take you to jail. 
So that is the MO of the anti-corruption task force. Sounds like the city could use a new Earth King. <laughs> they don't even need coin. We just got to get their eyes on the four criminals and they'll just be like, criminals. You know what I'm going to do? As we leave, I'm going to take out a little notepad and I'm going to write a little note. And it's going to say, for the anti-corruption team, XOXO. And I'm going to fold it up and I'm going to put it on top of the pile of the four bodies. Um, and then we can just leave them there. <laughs> All right, so you leave the note with the two coin to pay off the anti-corruption task force? Yep. All right. And with that, you have successfully diverted attention from yourself to Gecko's very good smuggling operation. Oh, boy, we are making an enemy. Not that good <laughs> smuggling operation. Oh, yeah, does that, uh, does that decrease our status with them even more? I think in this instance, probably, yeah. Yeah. The faction game, like, there are specific triggers in the game that will say increase or decrease your status with the faction based on the specific thing you did. But I think it's more fun and more dynamic if we don't limit it to just that. If we kind of keep things fluid. So I'm actually going to say because you assisted Gecko Jr.'s operation, some of the other up-and-coming factions in the city are going to be like, hey, we're new guys. These are also new guys. So the Paper Knives, we're going to increase your status with them as well because they're a relatively new faction in town. I like it. So you guys are currently at minus two status with Gecko's Very Good Smuggling Operation. Uh, reminder, if you ever reach minus three with a specific faction, you are at war with that faction. So might be a good idea to lay low in terms of Gecko's smuggling operation for a while. <laughs> but yeah, that takes care of our entanglement. And now we get into downtime itself. There are specific things that each of you as individuals are going to take care of during downtime. But broadly speaking, we have a couple faction-based things that are going to happen as well. So first, Seaway, uh, go ahead and make a fortune roll to see how much money you get from the pet shop. Two ones. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, that's quite not great. Um, <laughs> you're not going to make any coin off of the pet store this time around, unfortunately. That's okay. Next, I'm going to roll for Eelhound and the boys to see how well they did. Roll for them based on their quality. That's a five, partial success. Hey. So Eelhound and the boys went, they tailed after this woman and they were able to determine where she lives. They followed her all the way back to her home, but turns out she has some guards who roughed up Eelhound and the boys a little bit. So they come back to you a little bit battered, unfortunately. Oh, boys. They knew the risks. <laughs> and so cohorts can also take damage, similar to how PCs can take damage. And every downtime that they take in which they don't do anything, they can just automatically heal one level of that damage, I believe is how it works. Okay. So if you let Eelhound and the boys just kind of chill for a little bit, that damage that they've taken will go away. Now, for each of our PCs, when we get to downtime, you can perform two downtime activities for free from a list of particular activities. Uh, if you'd like to perform an additional activity, you can spend one coin or one rep to do that. The different options are this. You can acquire an asset uh, if you decide that you want to get some really nice demolition tools, like some actual explosives or whatnot. You could reach out to somebody and see if you could acquire that asset that way. You could start a long-term project, which we would set up a clock for. So actually what we're going to do with that, the way that uh, we kind of established things thematically with the monorail going in, you have secured the bathhouse for the duration in which it is not being demolished. 
So you have between now and the demolition date to sink your roots even further into the area and establish the surrounding area as your turf so that when the bathhouse is actually demolished, you still have a footing in that area. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to set up two competing clocks. We're going to have a four clock and a six clock. The four clock represents your efforts to secure that turf and the six clock represents the oncoming demolition. Four clock called turf secure, six clock called demolition time. So this is something that you guys could work on as part of these long-term projects yourself. You could spend one of your downtime activities to work on increasing that turf secure clock. You could alternatively have Eelhound and the boys go out and potentially work on that for you either during downtime or during your next job. So working on long-term projects is one of the six downtime activities. One of them is recover, which is gaining treatment for injuries. You guys took stress during this job, but you didn't actually take any injuries, so we don't have to worry about recovering. Fourth option is reducing heat. To do that, you choose the action you want to take. You roll with that action, and depending on how well you do, you can reduce a certain amount of the heat that you've taken. Fifth option is training. You choose one of the attributes in your playbook. That would be prowess, insight, or resolve. These broad categories that the skills go under. You would choose one of those and mark an XP for that attribute. Eventually, when you fill up that XP track, you can add another action dot. And the sixth and final option is indulging your vice. Indulging your vice is the way that you get rid of the stress that you've taken during your jobs. So looking at Wei Young right now, for example, you have three stress marked. If you were to indulge your vice, go talk to your fortune teller, then you could remove some of that stress. But if you relieve more than three stress, you overindulge and something bad happens because of that. Risk reward when you're indulging in a vice. Well, don't worry. I won't be relieving stress today. <laughs> I know the two things I would like to try and do. Yeah, what would Siwe like to do? So I'm going to do one of my downtime things is going to be working on a long-term project, which is setting up the shop. I want to make our storefront look more official, have some decorations, maybe slap a coat of paint down, maybe buy a rug, put some <laughs> lamps, oil lamps in here, clean off these windows, and just get this whole front looking official. Like, we're not just a dusty old warehouse with some creepy, sketchy animals in it. Yeah, I'm going to propose we have two linked clocks. Uh, they're both going to be four clocks. The first clock is fixing up the storefront. And once you fill that four clock, that will allow you to start filling the next four clock of becoming an established wolf hedgehog breeder. Okay. Ooh. Or hedgehog wolf. <laughs> uh, quick question, Ned. Um, are four clocks a little small? Because I am seeing that if you get a critical, you can get as many as five segments filled in a single roll on a long-term project. Oh, wow. That is a good point. I think with fixing the storefront, since you already have a good reputation, like that lifestyle roll you made at the very beginning was very good. So you already have a bit of a reputation moving towards just fixing up the storefront. Becoming a breeder, it'll be easier once you've got the storefront fixed up, but probably won't be quite as easy. So we'll make that a six clock. That sounds fair. And way to challenge yourself. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and, but now I have to figure out which ability I'm going to use. Yeah. That's one of the things with working on long-term projects is they're very open-ended. You can choose what skill you would like to use as long as you can justify how it works towards fulfilling that goal. 
Alright, so first thing I'm gonna do is uh, I'm gonna try and use Sway to convince a local contractor to give me a deal so that I don't have to pay a full coin to get him to come in and uh, do some work on this actual structure and floors and stuff in the building. Okay. So I'm not sure we have a coin to spare for that. Alright, yeah. Let's go ahead and have you roll to Sway then. Six. Well Jeez, done. Jeez, man, you're on fire. Yeah, and when you roll a full success, you tick three segments. Jeez. Ooh, that storefront is looking good. That contractor did a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. And then for my other downtime action, I will try and use Sway again. I would like to talk to Boots. <laughs> um, Boots, when uh, we first talked to you about this work we would be doing, we were under the uh, understanding that you would help us uh, reduce the amount of a splash we make. And our last job did make quite a splash, and it would really just help us out a lot if you could maybe help reduce that a little bit. And I'm trying to reduce our heat All right. by swaying boots to maybe a paper goes missing mm -hmm. at the BSS offices. Like, I don't know, something he can do to help maybe keep the BSS off our backs a little bit. Yeah, go ahead and roll to sway. Ah, that's only a two. Okay, so you're only going to reduce one heat from that. Boots looks at you and says... Well, uh, I'm already kind of on the ropes with Yang over at the Anti-Corruption Task Force, but I'll see what I can do. Help you out a little bit, at least. I really appreciate that, Boots. You have a wonderful day. And you as well. And that will be my downtime. All right. Tonin, do you know what you would like to do for your downtime? I do. I mentioned it at the beginning, and I'm serious about it. I want a 20 by 20 by 20 room for a large singing bowl that I can fill partly with water, sit in, and meditate while a big old stick. I don't know what the stick part of the singing bowl is called. The stick? Yeah, the stick. How big of a clock can you make, Ned? A 20 by 20 clock. <laughs> yeah, I think this is... Okay, building the room is going to be one thing. Building a 10 foot by 10 foot by 10 foot bowl made out of precious metal, that's going to be something. Yeah. So I'm going to make that a 12 clock. Dang. I like it. Just the bowl or the room? Because that is a big room too. Yeah, the room and the bowl. How are you going to get it down there? That's why the room's 20 by 20. Well, yeah, I know why it's that. I know how it's going to fit inside of it. I mean, how are you going to move a gigantic bowl into a gigantic room without anyone knowing? Oh, I mean, I'm going to have to hire a... I'm going to have to hire an earthbender. Maybe the contractor I hired can help. I was actually planning on talking to him. Yeah, I was going to hire that contract. I was going to talk to that contractor and see if he could do another project for me. And I can just tell him, you know, some of the animals are loud. So it's got to be a soundproof room. Hey, Ned, what's our uh, what's our contractor's name? <gasps> Let's roll to find out. Do you guys want an abider contractor or an underworld contractor? I feel like an underworld one is going to ask less questions. Yeah. Okay. This NPC's name is Priest. Nice. <laughs> I love it. What a great alias. Yeah. No one's going to question that. We're going to have Priest come work on the shop. Just sounds like we're getting a blessing. <laughs> we got to keep the weird spirits out. I will ask Priest to see what kind of progress he can make on that. And I will attempt to... Oh, should I sway or consort? Because he is in the underworld. I mean, consort is just for being nice. Sway is for trying to convince somebody. I'll consort with him. I'll be buddy-buddy with him. Yeah, and John Harper, the author of Blades of the Dark, has specifically said in the book that there's intentionally some overlap between these skills. Okay. So sometimes it's not super cut and dry exactly which one it should be, but I think either would work in this situation. Cool, cool, cool. 
That's a six. Holy, Holy cow. cow. A two and a six. You guys have rolled ridiculously well during this <laughs> first job, and it's got to come back to bite you at some point. I, just you wait. That's the thing. I know it's going to come back. We're going to get down like four or five episodes from now, and it's just going to be one, 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 one. <laughs> Make sure you turn in next time for Improv Tabletop, only ones edition. Oops, all ones. <laughs> yeah. In any case, working with Priest, you have ticked off three segments of that 12 clock. All right. Maybe we have like some of the room built out. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Um, The second thing I would like to do is secure the turf. I would like to start a protection racket Mm. using our boys. Don't have to use them this time, but just they will be the ones perpetuating it once I get it set up. Basically going around saying, hey, you saw those hooligans and ruffians come in there. We took care of them and we will continue to take care of you as long as you pay us. So that's my turf secure, Mm -hmm. which that I feel like is sway. Yeah, that makes sense. Here's a question before I roll. Can I push myself and take a devil's bargain during downtime? I believe so. All right, let's see what happens. Oh, I mean, I'll take it. It's two fives. I'll take it. Yeah, partial success. That is two ticks of the four clock. However, uh, the demolition team is also starting to work full force, so we're going to tick two segments of their six clock. That should do it for Tonin, unless you want to spend coin or rep to do a third downtime activity. Um, No, but I will, not mechanically or anything, I will take some time to go to the predominantly waterbender area and do some more uh, street drawing. All right, yeah, we can do that during free play next session. And that brings us to Wei Young. So uh, my downtime activity was intended to be like a long-term project for me, but it might actually work under Turf Secure. Uh, I want to start building out a network of contacts amongst the orphan children in the the city. Mm. Little urchins, the the 'er ne'er-do-wells. Yeah. Good call. And I mean, I could start where we started building our turf. So uh, I don't know if that would be my own project or a turf securing thing or what. I think, yeah, we could kill two turtle ducks with one stone, as it were here, (laughs) because we have the protection racket. That's one way of getting yourself in good graces with the people in the area, getting to know the kids. I mean, they're the ones who are working the streets. So I think that would work. Cool. Um, I think I'd have to roll twice for how I want to do it. I want to, I want to like be there, keep an eye out in the area. So survey, see like these kids are going that way somewhat regularly, blah, blah, blah. And then I want to convince them, just consort. I'm not trying to like trick them or anything. I'm going to tell them straight up. I want info. If you give me info, I'll give you things you want. I think we could probably skip the survey part and just go straight to talking with the kids actually. Sure. Wouldn't you believe it? I got a six. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you did. (laughs) So, yeah, we're going to mark those remaining two ticks on turf secure. So the turf is secure. And I've got little urchin contacts out there. Yeah. And remind me at the beginning of our next session about those urchin contacts, because that actually ties in very, very well with one of the additional job hooks that I have for you guys. Ooh. Duly noted. Um, For my second downtime training activity, I would like to train my prowess. Nice. I specifically, I want to be a little more, I don't know if I necessarily want to be better at fighting, but I do want to be more physically like adept. So should it come up, I'll I'll be ready. And as it happens, Day is a heck of a good earthbender. Mm. So uh, I'm going to train with him and 
I mean, I don't bend, but maybe show me some moves, you know, <laughs> some like exercises to center your core or whatever. Yeah. So great thing with training prowess is generally you just choose one of your attributes and you mark one XP in that track. But since you guys, the masked spirits, have training in prowess as one of your crew upgrades, you get to mark two XP whenever you train prowess. Oh, very nice. Look at you knowing how you're doing things, even if it's not on purpose. Yeah, I definitely planned that. <laughs> okay, so yeah, go ahead and mark two XP. That's that's what I got. That's what I have right now. All right. Well, with that, we have concluded our first full cycle free play, engagement role, score, downtime. And I think that sounds like a pretty darn good place to finish this episode. And then we can pick up next episode with uh, asking some XP questions. Very nice. <gasps> yeah. And talking to urchins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, we're so good at this game. Obviously, it's not going to go wrong from here. Things can only go well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> holy cow, this, I've, I've said it multiple times already. It went so much better than like every other job we've done so far testing out this game. Yeah. Don't get yeah. don't get used to this. This was a fluke of the highest order. The listeners are like, I thought mathematically you were supposed to succeed with problems most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> we're just like, not this time. We skipped the problems part of the game. We just went to the winning part. Yeah, the the dice had a story they wanted to tell, and that story was you guys are entering the scene in a very big way. That's not going to come back to bite us. Not at all. <laughs> but dang, yeah. I, I know we were talking at the beginning of last episode about how nervously excited we were at this point. Like, I feel good. I feel pretty dang good about where we're going. I'm just excited. <laughs> and so with that excitement, we're going to thank you all so much for listening to ImpTab Avatar. And we'll be back next time with more adventures in the world of Blades in the Dao Fei. If you want more, go and subscribe, maybe even give us a review. We would be as happy as an underworld contractor who is getting a whole ton of jobs all of a sudden <laughs> if you would go ahead and give us a review on the podcatcher of your choice. We're also all over social media at Improv Tabletop, so if you'd like to connect with us there, you know, maybe you would like to talk with Christian about some of his schemes, some of his secrets that he's got going on, don't be afraid to reach out. Now, it's time to shout out our next batch of Sticker Club patrons. First person we're shouting out is Michael Sear, the founding patron. The king. (laughs) Good old Mikey. Uh, Mikey Sear is the leader of the personal guards of that woman that Eelhound was tracking. You know, not great for Eelhound, but Mikey, good job doing your duty, keeping (laughs) this creepy guy from chasing after your employer. But maybe lay off next time. (laughs) (laughs) Second person we're shouting out is Elina Georgieva. Howdy, howdy, again. (laughs) Ellie is also one of Jenna's friends who works among the servant rings and uh, is not the one who ratted Jenna out. In fact, Ellie is the one who found the person that ratted Jenna out and gave her a little bit of a talking to. (laughs) Jeez. Gave her the old what for. Very good. Keep that up. And the third person we're shouting out is Thomas Ryan. Hey, what a handsome, <laughs> cool, awesome man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're still part of the sticker club, so I guess we have to extol your virtues publicly while you're here. You have to acknowledge me. You have to, you have to cancel your Patreon now that you're on the cast. Don't do Lay- that. Don't do that. Don't do that. We need to pay Caleb to edit. Lay it on thick. Tell me how great I am. I'm ready. Uh, Thomas Ryan is, in fact, a member of the King's Circle. That is one of the institutions, one of the factions. They are, in fact, the highest tier faction. They're the only faction in Bossing Say that is tier six. (gasps) So I'll have to kill myself at some point. 
Yeah. Isn't is that great? <laughs> My gosh. Um, can I say something serious about patrons and our Patreon? Yeah. Uh, I just want to give a big shout out and say thank you because uh, probably none of you noticed because I was gone for so long. But if you go back to our old fate campaigns, I sound not as good. And now <laughs> I sound crisper and clearer and more beautiful. And sometimes I know certain Patreons, you're like, where's my money really going when I support it? And I can tell you right now, it went to this microphone that sounds so much so crisp and clear and beautiful. And that's all <laughs> thanks to our lovely patrons. So thank you all so much. Yeah, we are making the show better actively by your contributions. So just thanks you so much to all of our members who are currently part of the Patreon, especially to our Sticker Club patrons who are really keeping the lights on. We'll have more Sticker Club patrons to shout out next week. And if you want to join their ranks, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash improv tabletop, where you can also get bonus episodes, Discord access, biannual sticker packs, and the knowledge that your hard-earned dollars are making Evan sound better. And, <laughs> and fun little side benefit, you yourself will become a part of the Bossing Say universe. That is true. True. Indeed. <laughs> now, let's do a round of plugs. Christian, would you like to take that this time around? Absolutely. Um, so, as always, we have our sister podcast, I Cast Fireball, uh, Tyranny of Dragons actual play, D&D 5e, wild and crazy time they are doing some very impressive and cool stuff we also have our backlog of fate episodes and an entire long session i was a part of that one and it lives in a special place in my heart full of sand and happiness and we are also partnered with fan roll dice they have some really fun dice beautiful dice and as anyone who has dice knows, you always need more. Uh, if you want to go ahead and support us via that, you can use at checkout the code Vroom Vroom Fifi. Uh, and I believe 10% off. Mm-hmm. But we love you guys. Yeah. That's that's my biggest plug. Yeah, everybody. Thanks so much for <laughs> joining us here in the world of ImpTab Avatar Blades in the Dao Fei. I'm Ned Wilcock, your host and GM, and I've been joined by Thomas Ryan as Hu Wei Young, Christian Randall as Tonin Yoru, and Evan Peterson as Si Wei Lang. Much love and stuff, everybody. We'll catch you next time on ImpTab Avatar. Guys, that I cannot get over how well that went. Cartoonish how like, well that went. I was like, I'm going to do something really stupid here and just walk in there. And it worked. And then it kept working. It really worked. <laughs>